The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. I'm super excited to be able to preach God's word. And, and this morning, we're going to see a people who, in their time of trouble, did not trust God. And that because of their lack of faith, their lack of faith led to their demise and their destruction. But even in their unfaithfulness, even though we see a people who was unfaithful to God, God still proved to be faithful. And if you fall asleep on the couch listening to me preach for the next couple of minutes, please just hear this right now. If you miss anything, I... If you miss everything else I say this morning, please get this. God loves you. He is for you and he is with you. And because God loves you, he is for you and, and, and he is with you. You can stand firm, unwavering in your faith. And this morning um, we will be in Isaiah chapter seven and, and I will read the entire um, chapter seven and a, and a couple of verses in chapter eight. And it reads as such in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, reason, the king of Syria and Pekah, the son of Arimaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the hearts of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jacob, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field and say to him, be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrand at the fierce anger of reason in Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim, the son of Remaliah, has divided evil against you. They say, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tobiel as king. But thus says the Lord, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the people, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Look at um, verse at chapter eight with me now. It says, then the Lord said to me, take a tablet and write on it and come in characters. 
belonging to Mayor Shell Lau Hashbaz, and I will get reliable witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Rebekah, to attest for me. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Mahar Shalal Hashbash, for before the boy knows how to cry, My father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. The Lord spoke to me again, Because this people has refused the waters of shallow that flow gently and rejoice over reason and the son of Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria, and all his glory. And it will rise all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will sweep on into, into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of the land. O Emmanuel. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Um, this morning, I'd like to title this time, um, O Emmanuel, you are with me. O Emmanuel, you are with me. And before preaching this, will you just pause for prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, you are pig and mighty as we just sung. Lord, we come before your throne right now, Lord, to hear a word from you. We come before your throne right now to experience your presence, Lord. We come before your throne right now to just um, be made new. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful even when we are faithless. I thank you, Lord, that your mercy is new every morning. I thank you, Lord, that your love is everlasting, Lord, that you great is your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, I pray um, even as I just think about this past week, the the heartaches, the news that was shared this week, Lord. I pray for Angela um, and her son and her family, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that um, Montavious recovers, Lord. I pray for Angela, Lord, that you just be her peace, Lord. Keep her, uh, comfort her and her family right now. Lord, I pray um, even now, Lord, as I turn to preach your word, Lord, that you, um, Holy Spirit, to speak through me with power, liberty, and conviction and with passion. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your word, that you use your word to transform, deliver, save, and, and to encourage this morning. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, what makes you worry? Uh, what is it in your life that brings about the, the most anxiety? What is that, what is that thing what is that thing that, that makes your heart be fast, that, that makes you so overwhelmed with life, that, that just makes you want to run away? Really think about it for a second with me. I mean, think about that time where you really felt like, how am I going to get through this? I can't take another day of this. Maybe you feel like that right now because we are in a nationwide pandemic. Maybe you are wondering, man, am I going to be able to go back to work after this? Am I going to be able to find a job? Maybe you are worried for your loved one, thinking, man, if my loved one passed, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? 
maybe you were set to graduate um, this month and this month was supposed to be a time of celebration and rejoicing but now you are grieving the loss of that and now you are worried about your future and it's easy to live life stress-free and fully confident when we feel like we have life when we have control over our lives. It's easy to trust in the Lord and remain firm in faith when our world isn't being challenged. And what I have come to find out is that often we become burdened with fear and anxiety because our focus is on our problem and not the one who can solve the problem. And what I mean by that is, is that, that it's easy for us to say God is good, God is all-powerful, um, God is my shepherd, my life is in God's hand, God is this, God is that. But when the storms and the winds of life begin to knock on our house, we instantly become afraid, and instead of running to the Lord who is our refuge and our help, we lose faith and forget just who God is. But not only that, not, not only do we lose faith in, in who God is, but we flat out reject God and rebel against God's way all together. We all struggle with wanting to be in control of our lives and in control of our future, which leads us to panic and frets when things seem too big or too much for us to control. So the question I have for us this morning is how do you and I remain firm in our faith through these difficult times? And this leads me to my first takeaway this morning. My first takeaway this morning is in uncertainty, stand firm in the faith by the Lord's strength. I said in uncertainty, stand firm in the faith by the Lord's strength. I'll take a look at verse 1 and 2 in chapter 7. Look at what King Ahaz did. So we have King Ahaz, who is the king of Judah, and, the two, and these two kingdoms right above Judah, they have formed an alliance, and they are looking to conquer Jerusalem. They are looking to take over Judah. And when word got to King Ahaz and his people, verse 2 tells us that their hearts shook, that they trembled. They became full of fear. I mean, their, their national security was at risk. Their, their wealth, their financial security was at risk. I mean, their very lives and freedom were at risk. And instead of turning to the Lord, Ahaz said, what do I have to do to save my kingdom, to save my world? And, and I love what we see in verse 3. When, when, when God's people's hearts became full of fear, God sent Isaiah, who is his prophet, who is his messenger, to go and speak an encouraging word to them. And this is important, and this teaches us a lot about the character and the nature of God. See, in Ahaz's time of affliction and worry, he was down by the city's water supply trying to find a way to protect the city from these two um, invading uh, um, um, kings. And this is when God sent um, Isaiah to him to speak. And look at, what, uh, look at what, what verse 4 says. It says, "Be God said, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps. 
See, God appeared to Ahaz in his time of need and in his time of trouble saying, you don't have to fear. Why? Because I am here. What does this teach us about God? This teaches us that God is the one who has initiated us. He is the one who pursues us. This teaches us that God being rich in mercy and great in love, before we turn our eyes to him, he has already turned his eyes to us to meet our every need. And we should all rejoice and be thankful that God is the one who initiates us. This makes me happy because this reminds me of the fact that I was lost living in a world of sin, but God is the one who searched for me, who found me, who took me out of darkness and, and brought me and, and took this marvelous light. And just as God met Ahaz in his time of need and his moment of affliction, even though Ahaz didn't even call on his name, even though Ahaz was so unworthy of receiving anything good from God, just as God met Ahaz in his, in his moment, how much more would the Lord answer those who actually called on his name? How much more would the Lord answer you and I as we began to call on his name? People of God, we have to learn how to call on the name of the Lord. Um, growing up as a child, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all know, um, I was the, uh, a huge Michael Jackson fan. Still lamp. I remember my first album I ever received as a child was the Michael Jackson Off the Wall album, and I listened to this album every day. And I love watching all of the Michael Jackson videos from, from Beat It to um, Billy Jean trying to moonwalk um, from Smooth Criminal. I love all the uh, Michael Jackson um, videos. Well, one Friday night, my family and I, we was um, in, in the living room watching TV. And a Michael Jackson Thriller video came on. And I don't know if you remember the Michael Jackson Thriller video, but it's a little bit inappropriate for a three-year-old to watch right before he about to go to sleep. And I remember watching the video, I saw my um, favorite um, person, Michael Jackson, turn into a werewolf, and then he turned into a zombie. And I remember just feeling terrified watching this video. And my dad was sitting beside me, and my dad looked at me. He said, son, are you okay? And I was trying to be brave. I didn't want him to know I was scared. I was like, yeah, dad, I'm straight. <laughs> I ain't scared. You know, I'm good. And you know how you watch a scary movie, and you kind of afraid to walk around your house. And so, like, you turn on every light as you walk into the room. That's how I was for the rest of the night. Well, it was time for me to go to bed, and my mom, she walked me to my room, tucked me in, said, good night, son. And then she hit that light switch, turned off my light. Then she walked into the hallway and turned off the hallway light. And there I was, a three-year-old boy, alone in, in the dark. And I just could not get that Michael Jackson zombie face out of my head. And, and, and out of nowhere, I just started screaming, mama, daddy. Help! And out of nowhere, my mom and my dad came running until my rescue to save their scared baby boy. And do y'all, did y'all see what I did there? I called on the name of the one who I knew had the power and the ability to come and rescue me. 
I called on the name of the one who I knew cared enough, who loved me enough to come running to my call. And people of God, we have to learn how to call on the name of the one who has all power and authority in his hands. We have to learn how to call on the name of the one who has not only created the heavens, but he has also created the earth. We have to learn how to call on the one who said, let there be light and there was light. We have to call on the one who's, who, who tells us to be still and know that I am God. On the one who says, I am your refuge, I am your strength. On the one who says, I love you, I am there for you. We have to learn how to call on the name of the one who grace is sufficient, who mercy is new every morning, who love is everlasting. We have to learn how to call on the name of the Lord. Y'all don't hear me. I'm in here preaching to myself. I'm in here preaching to myself. And I love what the Lord called Ahaz's enemies. He called them smoldering stumps. He says, Ahaz, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear. These are nothing but smoldering stumps. And for you who don't know what a smoldering stump is, a smoldering stump is when you have this large fire going, all of this wood burning and this, and this large fire and this fire is dangerous it can harm you but after a while this fire begins to die down and this and these once dangerous wood pieces are no longer dangerous this once powerful fire is now just a smoldering stump it's it's no longer strong but it's weak it's no longer dangerous but it's just smoke and steam and the lord says that even though these two kings these two smoldering stumps say they are about to come against you and, and destroy you, even though they say this, verse 7, Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. God says, even though they say this, what have I said? Even though the world says this, what has the Lord declared to be true? And people of God, this is why it's so important for you and me to store God's word in our heart. This is why. So we can know, know what has my Lord already declared to be true. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret because thus says the Lord. And even though the Lord spoke personal words of assurance and, and comfort to Ahaz, we know that Ahaz ultimately rejected the Lord's counsel. And look again at verse 10 and 12 with me. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. So God just declared his promise of deliverance to Ahaz. And now God is saying, Ahaz, you can ask of me a sign to be a symbol of my promise to you. And when we first look at, and this is really just like when I um, fell in love with my beautiful wife. I just didn't show up to my wife and say, hey, will you marry me? Will you be mine? <laughs> nah. The first thing I did was I went to the jewelry store and I got the biggest diamond in there that I could afford. And I said, baby girl, here is my commitment to you. Here is a symbol of my commitment to you. So this is what 
the Lord is offering this gift that the Lord is offering to Ahaz. But Ahaz said, God, I don't need that sign. I don't want to test you. And you may think that Ahaz is doing the right thing by not testing God. But 2 Kings chapter 16 gives us a better picture of the heart of Ahaz. But 2 Kings um, chapter 16 verse 7 says, Ahaz sent messengers to the king of Assyria and said, I am your servant. I am your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syrian and from the hand of, of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. See, Ahaz told God, thanks for trying to help me, God, but um, I'm good. Um, I don't need a sign um, from you because I got this covered. Um, I thank you, Lord, but I'm good. See, Ahaz's faith was no longer in the true king who is the Lord God, but Ahaz's faith was now in the king of Assyria. And this leads us to our second takeaway this morning, and that is the object of your faith will either deliver you or destroy you. I'm going to say that again. The object of your faith will either deliver you or it will destroy you. The object of Ahaz's faith was in the king of Assyria. He submitted and surrendered to this foreign king, even calling himself, saying, I am your son. I am your servant. And he took silver and gold that was to be devoted to the one true king, the Lord God. And, and he has now um, given it to his new Lord, his his new God. And we even um, learned that Ahaz even began to practice the same worship and the same um, religion which led him to sacrifice his son on the altar. See, Ahaz said, my way is better than the Lord's way. I don't have to trust in the Lord because I have this covered. And this is a warning for all of us because often we don't have a problem with acknowledging God, but we do have a problem with trusting in him. And we don't have a problem with going to church um, singing some songs, hearing the word um, preached, we can acknowledge God, but our problem is often trusting God. And I believe if, if we could go back in time and ask Ahaz, who is your God and who do you trust? Ahaz would give us the right answer, even though his actions prove, prove different. He did not trust in the Lord. When tested, he totally abandoned his faith and did what he thought was the wisest thing to do. And church, Ahaz isn't alone in that. Because if, if, we, if we keep reading in Isaiah on chapter 53, it tells us that we all like sheep have gone astray. That we all are prone to wonder. We all are prone to trust in ourselves. We all are prone to think that our way is better than God's way. We all are prone to say the same thing Ahaz said, God, I don't need a sign from you because I got this covered. And as we continue to read in chapter seven, we see that God gives a sneak peek into their future. He says, OK, OK, Ahaz, OK, Judah, you want to trust in Assyria instead of trusting in me. You know what? Assyria is going to, in fact, deliver you from these two kings. 
but they're not going to stop there. Assyria is going to take over these two kings, but they're going to keep marching and they're going to take over you and they're going to destroy your city. They're going to take you as captive and they're going to take everything that you have. They're going to totally destroy and humiliate you. And we know by looking at history and the Bible that Assyria um, did, in fact, take captive the city of Jerusalem. See, Ahaz and Judah abandoned their faith. They didn't do as God said, and they were and they were destroyed by what they thought would deliver them. They hoped for deliverance, but was instead destroyed. And um, I don't know about y'all, but me and my wife, we have watched way too much television over the past two months. Uh, we have started and finished almost every um, series on Netflix and Hulu. And I am ashamed to say we have watched entirely too much TV. But I know y'all doing the same thing we doing, so, so y'all can't judge me. But about two weeks ago, we watched the McDonald's a Monopoly um, scam series and it absolutely blew our mind like it was this it was this family who found a way to steal the million dollar pieces and they began to give them and sell them to different people and as you watch the series it was amazing to see that the mafia got involved and just and just how all this stuff came to be but one person in particular really stood out to me. It was the um, main guy wife, I forget her name, I think her name was Karen. And when you looked at her at the beginning of her life, um, she just looked so peaceful, so happy. She, she had a beautiful family. Um, they had money. But, because of this scam they were doing, she was able to give money um, to her family and her friends. But as, as the episodes continued to go back, you just, you just started to see how, how she was trusting in to give her this life, this joy, this deliverance was actually slowly destroying her, destroying her family and her friends. And, and when you get to the end of the episode of the um, series and you just looked at her now today, my heart just got heavy because I just, not just couldn't help but feel like she has been totally destroyed by this whole scam. That in the last 20 years, she lost her husband, she lost her son, she became addicted to drugs, she lost all of her money, all of her wealth. She was in and out of prison, and this once beautiful picture of her life is now a disaster. And not only did she destroy her life, but she destroyed the lives around her. And she was so unaware of how her actions were leading her down the wrong path. And this is a warning for us that we can be so unaware of the dangers and the consequences of our actions. And we can be so blind to our disbelief and rebellion to God. And so often we can we truly think that I am trusting God with all of my heart as I actively live otherwise. That's why it's so important for us to constantly pray the prayer in Psalms 139, 23. We have to say, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. If there is any way, if, if, if there is anything offensive in me, lead me in a way of everlasting life. 
Lord, search me and show me my sin. Lord, search me and show me how I am failing to trust in you. Lord, search me and show me how I am trusting in myself and not you, Lord. Lord, search me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. We have to pray that prayer. And the bad news for us this morning is that no matter how hard we try, we are still prone to wonder and lose faith. But the good news is that in the midst of our unfaithfulness to God, God is still faithful and full of grace. And this leads us to our last takeaway this morning, which simply is, even when your faith fails, God's grace still reigns supreme. Even when your faith fails, God's grace still reigns supreme. And even though Ahaz refused the gracious gift, this sign from God, God still gave Judah a sign. This sign was a child being born of a virgin. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Then the Lord said in chapter 7, verse 15, he said that before that child knows how to refuse evil and choose good, the land of the two kings will, on which you dread will be deserted. And chapter 8 tells us that Isaiah did have a son. And verse 4 says that before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus will be carried away by Assyria. This child was to be a symbol of deliverance in a troubled time. Um, this child being named Emmanuel was to be a symbol that your God is in fact with you. Emmanuel simply means God with us and by God saying I am promise you a sign a child that will be born is a symbol a sign to all of Judah that, my, that me God I will always be with you. That even though Ahaz and Judah misplaced their faith in God, God being rich in mercy and great in love says I still love you and I'm still with you. God's grace still reigns supreme. But verse 5 tells us that the Lord spoke again. And the, and the Lord said, because the people has refused the waters of shallow that flow gently and rejoice over reason in the house of Remaliah, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks. And it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the land. Oh, Emmanuel. See, God gives us this perfect picture of water here. He says, he says to my people, I offered you quiet and gentle waters that will bring blessings and peace to your life. But you rejected me because you thought you could do better. So God is saying now instead of these um, blessed, peaceful, quiet waters, you are about to be overwhelmed by waters that will come over you like a river. This river will take over your land and destroy your land. It will come all the way up to your neck. Um, this really reminds me of, of Hosea and Gomer. Um, for you who don't know, Hosea was also God's prophet. And, and Hosea marriage with his wife was to be a picture of God's relationship with his people. 
And Hosea was a man who loved and cherished his wife, but his wife was unfaithful to him. And, and in Hosea chapter 2, verse 8, it says that my wife, she does not recognize that it is I who lavished on her grain and new wine. It is I who lavished on her silver and gold, but which she used for other gods. Therefore, I will take back my grain in this time and my new wine in this season. See, God gives us the image of this unfaithful woman rejecting the gifts of her that her husband gave her. And she chose to be unfaithful. And in being unfaithful, she, in effect, lost everything that she had. And Isaiah is showing us that because the consequences of our disbelief and our lack of faith in God, it leads to our destruction instead of our deliverance. And even though this is bad news that we continue to um, uh, not trust God, even though we continue to trust in ourselves, there's still good news that the fact that God has given us the sign Emmanuel. That even in Judah's disbelief, there still stands tall the sign of God, oh, Emmanuel. And see, you might think this, this chapter is bad news, but I see good news written all in this, that the last section, that the last section of, of scripture that we read this morning, it ends with, oh, Emmanuel. This reminds us all today of God's presence in our lives, even in our unfaithfulness. This reminds us of God's presence even, even when the waters of the world seem to be drowning us. Um, this week in our staff on prayer time, um, Richard says something really um, powerful to me. He, he says, I can't, he says, it's so easy for me to just look for the time when this, this quarantine and this corona stuff is going to be over. It's, it's easy for me to think life is going to get better than that, that my joy is going to return when this corona stuff ends. He says, it's easy for me to just keep waiting for a vaccine to be fixed. He says, no, what I need and what we all need is God and God alone. See, the blessing of God isn't God taking us out of our trying time. The blessing of God isn't God giving us this easy life. The blessing of God isn't answering our every prayer. The blessing of God is God himself coming down low and being right there with us, being with you and me. That's the blessing of God. And this, and this week, as, as I was trying to process and mourn the death of um. Ahmaud Arbery watching a video of a, of a black man just jogging in his own neighborhood and being hunted and murdered by two white men. I, I can't lie, I had so many emotions. I was angry, I was fearful, I was, I was afraid, I, I was numb, I didn't know how to process it. I tried to turn to God and pray and I didn't even know what to pray. And the only thing I could, I remember feeling was, how long, oh Lord? How long? How long do, do we have to be in this state? How long do we have to continue to see this in our life, in our world? And what God showed me in his word, what God spoke to me is, oh, Emmanuel. Oh, Emmanuel, I am with you. 
I am with you on, on the mountaintops and I'm with you in the valley. Even though you are hurting right now, I'm still with you. Even though you feel lonely right now, I am with you. Even though you are fighting and fighting thoughts and feelings of depression, I am with you. Even though you don't know what tomorrow is going to look like, I am with you. Oh, Emmanuel, God is with us. And I want to close by, I want to close by telling just one more story from my childhood. Um, it's, a, it's a personal story. My, my dad died um, when I was seven years old. And, and I still carry this, this pain, this hurt of my dad not being here um, with me. Um, but one of my favorite memories that give me comfort and joy was when I was about three or four, my entire family went to this huge swimming pool and all of my family um, was able to swim in the deep end of the pool. But because I was three, they told me to go to, to the kiddie pool. And I was like, man, I don't want to go to the kiddie pool. I want to swim in the 12 feet, just like all y'all swimming in the 12 feet. And it was time to go. Everyone was drying off and I was mad. I was pouting because I didn't get a chance to swim in the 12 feet. And my dad said, son, what's wrong? Didn't you have a good time? And I said, I didn't get a chance to swim in the 12 feet. And my dad jokingly said, well, jump in the 12 feet then. And without hesitation, I took off running and I just jumped straight in in the 12 feet. A three-year-old boy who has had no swimming lessons just jumped in the 12 feet. And I remember hitting the water and I remember swimming, like just being underwater. And I remember thinking just in a split second, I don't know how to swim. But before I could panic, before I could even begin to think about drowning, my dad jumped in right after me. And my dad grabbed me and my dad swam with me. And that, that, that short story, that short memory bring me, brings me so much peace and joy just knowing that my dad was with me. Even though I had no power to save myself, even though I had no power to do anything, I didn't panic. I, I, I was, I felt complete peace because my dad was with me. In church, that's all I want us to get from this sermon this morning. It's that no matter what you are facing right now, no matter what you are going through right now, God is with you. Even in your failures, God is so full of grace and mercy. He is longing for you to call on his name and say, help me, Lord. He is longing for you to call on his name and he longs to walk with us. How do I know he longs to walk with us? Because he has given you and not the ultimate sign of the promise of Emmanuel by giving us his one and only son, Jesus. And God has promised us that when we call on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, we are adopted as his children. We are heirs to a new inheritance. We have been brought into a new life. This is the good news this morning, that the Lord God is with you. And because of that, you can stand firm in your faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I
Lord, I just thank you for being who you are, Lord. I thank you for being Emmanuel, the God who is actually with us. You are the God's you are the God of heaven, Lord. The earth is your footstool, but yet, Lord, you are the God who is with us. Thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to fear. Thank you, Lord, that even though the storms of life are so strong, Lord, we can have peace in your presence. Lord, I just pray for those who are down right now. Encourage them, meet them, um, transform them, Lord, comfort them, heal them, Lord, right now. Do a mighty work right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Well, brothers and sisters, um, at this time, it is a blessing to give, to respond and worship by giving our tithes and offering uh, to our great God and to our great King. And to do that, um, you can just text downtown church to 73256 to give online. Be blessed, church.